championship on the line right here. He's going for the corner. He's got it. Hello and welcome to 4th and 5, your Longhorn Nation podcast. I'm your host, Will Bazer. I'm joined alongside by Darius Terrell, as always. You guys listen to the Hornscast channel. It's the Hornscast show on any podcasting platform out there. Today, we got a loaded show for you guys, as the month of June is basically the floodgates being open for recruiting after they have been closed for one and a half years. Now recruits are officially allowed on campus. Somebody should tell OU. During this time, Texas had a weekend of official visits, a commitment from a transfer running back, and basically the entire 2023 class joining, uh, jumping on campus as well. Also, next weekend, they have even more official visits coming, and the weekend after that, we're just going to go over this next weekend, go over the guys who are coming in, the guys who came in last weekend, the guys who are coming in this weekend, what the likelihood of them landing at Texas is and what we should expect from them. Then, talk about the new college football format that has been proposed. Pete Thamel says there may be 12 teams in the playoffs. We'll tell you why that is and tell you what we think of it. So, Darius, it's good to be back, man. We've had, uh, we've had quite the, what, two months off? It's been, it's been cr- quite crazy for us both personal lives-wise. I, I lost a job. I found a job. Uh, I have a girlfriend who I'm thinking about propose. I'm think I'm going to propose to. Doesn't matter. She doesn't listen to this, so she won't know. Uh, <laughs> so I've just had quite a lot going on in my life. You have joined a new football team, getting back into football. You already you just finished coaching soccer. You've had. I mean, yeah, I don't know how much time that took. I just saw the laugh on your face, but you know, you've been through the ringer as well this past two months. So. You know, we're sorry that we haven't been here the past two months, but we hope to keep, you know, a semi-regular show during the summer, at least, going from here on out. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure people will like that. But no, like you said, it's been a long time. So, you know, we got a lot to talk about, a lot to catch up on. Um, hope you all enjoy it. Hope yeah, you, hope you, hope gonna... you check, you know, you refresh your browser and see that there's a new podcast or whatever. Or you have, a, you know, your alert set or whatever, how that goes. Yeah, we'll see. Uh... It's, we'll see. <laughs> Uh, if you guys you guys are listening to this, you're, you're the real ones. You're the real ones out there. But yeah, it's uh, there's been a lot since we last talked. I think the last time we talked was after the spring game. You know, May was slow, but there was a lot. It was a lot that happened. I don't think we're gonna be able to go over it, so we're just gonna skip over it. We're just gonna go ahead and get right into June. And one of the bigger news items that's happened over the past week is Texas got a commitment from another Robinson at running back. So Darius, Keelan Robinson from Bama is a transferring to Texas. What exactly are we getting here in Keelan Robinson? Uh, I think in Keelan Robinson, they're getting, they're getting something they've been missing um, from the offense, man. I mean, as awesome as B. John Robinson is, is, as great as he is, I think if there's one thing that, you know, doesn't doesn't make people, you know, start drooling about him, it'll probably be his top end speed, right? Um, mm-hmm. Same thing would be uh, with Roshan. He's not really, you know, a home run hitter. Keelan Robinson, you go back, um, look at his high school tape, look at his, his highlights at Alabama. It's clear and obvious uh, that he's going to be the he's, the, he's the fastest back on the Texas roster immediately. He's going to be able to provide something back there that, like I said, hasn't been there. I think he, in a lot of ways, looks like, you know, if Texas fans remember, probably a decade ago, Fozzie Whitaker. Um, I think mm-hmm. he can be that type of player um, for the offense. I think he's also – he's a heck of a receiver. Well, um, Alabama actually moved him there briefly in the spring before moving him back. But, yeah, I think I think he really just um, figured he wasn't going to be a focal point in the Bama offense, especially after having missing last season. But Steve Sarkeesian is the only offense coordinator he's ever played for, right? So if there's anybody that knows how to use him, I think it would be that guy. But, um, no, I'm, I'm excited about this pickup, and he's got three years left to play. He's got four yeah. years to play three, so I don't see any negatives with it, honestly. Yeah, like you said, with B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson, Jonathan Brooks, and even Jadon Blue, what you're missing out of all of those guys is a 4 4 5 40. 
like what Keelan Robinson has. And, you know, Texas hasn't had speed on this team in quite a while. Now they have guys like Jake Smith potentially, but, you know, it just, there's not enough speed on this team. Tom Hermit even said it after they played Baylor, what was that, 2019, 2019, right? Where he said, oh, we need to recruit more speed on this team and then went on to go and covet guys like Johnny Wilson, uh, <laughs> right? Steve Sarkeesian came onto this campus expecting a lot of talent. You know, Texas does have talent. It's nowhere near the level that Alabama has, but I don't think it is near the level of what Steve Sarkeesian was hoping for. And that's why you're seeing such a, you know, him getting so many players in the linebacker room, you know, looking on off the line, looking for the running backs and trying to get as much speed on this team because speed is something that's necessary in his offense. There's not a lot of speed on this offense right now. So getting a guy like Keelan Robinson, a guy he's watched before, a guy who he's seen in practice, he knows this guy. I, did he recruit him? I, he was there when he was getting recruited. I know that much. Right. So he's a guy who knows Keelan Robinson well. And it was like, yeah, let's go get this guy. Let's bring him on. Yeah, I, I just I really don't see a downside to it. And um, if, say, it, I wouldn't think it affects any, you know, does it affect the number of backs you take in this class? You still take two? Um, or do you still take one? But, I mean, either way, I think he will be better than any second back you could potentially add from this 2022 class. And he's yeah. a former Under Armour All-American. He's got all the accolades and everything. So, let's see. I'm excited to see it. Yeah. Robinson and Robinson. It's like another team picking up Marquez Bimage, right, where he had a lot of potential, but he missed the last year due to COVID and didn't feel like, you know, he might have lost his place on the team or whatever. Uh, I don't know what the deal is there, but he left. Another team is kind of picking up a guy who left for a year, but is a really high level player. That's what Texas is kind of getting here with Keelan Robinson. To, yeah, and then, I mean, in a lot of ways too. I mean, let's look look at the NFL. Those guys that opted out last season, and those teams still picked them in the first round. It's the same mm -hmm. kind of deal, you know. They took they took a leap of faith on it, so you know, I'm I'm interested to see. That's something I'm going to be watching for this fall, both at the college level and pro level. How do the guys look that? That, that didn't play last year, that pretty much took a red shirt. And should we really think of it as any differently than from being a red shirt? Because weren't they still – or were they – they were still on campus, right? You know, were mm -hmm. they, they were still working out. So, you know, maybe maybe we are, you know, over – we'll see. I'm interested, though. It's a very interesting talking point. Right. Let's get into the rest of this month, though, right? They got that commitment from the transfer. But coming out of this weekend, I was expecting maybe one commitment because – Texas is finally getting people on campus. A lot of, you know, everybody's getting kids on campus. And staffs who play recruiting well, they're going to get commits. You saw that from AM. You saw it from teams like Alabama and Oregon. Uh, <laughs> you understand, you know, you saw it from Auburn. You saw it from, from these teams who, who know how to do recruiting. Texas, they didn't get one of those commitments. But they did put themselves in a good position with a few people on this last weekend. I was still expecting Texas to come out a little stronger on campus with guys like Jeff Banks, Kyle Floods, Steve Sarkeesian being a lot more of a recruiting head coach than Tom Herman was, and Bo Davis. Were, were you expecting the same? Yeah, I was definitely. I mean, I still am expecting uh, Texas to be a stronger. Um, or is it too early to tell? No, I, I'm definitely expecting Texas to be stronger a stronger recruiting um, staff than we saw under Tom Herman or Charlie Strong. But the difference between this staff and the other staffs is this staff, the kids have shown, have been vocal, they have made it very clear. Um, they're not going to get the benefit of the doubt that the previous Texas staffs have gotten, which is which does make it a little bit um, more difficult to gauge because you see these names, you know these guys have been great recruiters in the past where they're at, but they're not necessarily playing on the same uh, level playing field that the staffs previously were. So um, while I do have big expectations for this staff and what they're going to do, I think um, I think we should I think it would be fair to you know give them a little bit of time you know let things play out a little bit. But no, I'm definitely still expecting big things like everybody else is, and I think as we should. I see, I see. So let's get into the visitors who came this past weekend. You had Cole Hudson come in for an unofficial visit. Nito L, you want to say that for me? 
Nato Umiozulu. Umio Zulu coming in for an unofficial visit. Ruben Owens came in this week for an unofficial visit. Basically, the entire 2023 class came in over the past week and a half for an unofficial visit. There was like a ton. There was a ton of 2023 kids on campus. Any of those guys from that 2023 kind of stand out to you there? No, this is a Texas has a star studded list of, of, of 2023 names that are coming in. But I think what we, what everybody, not just Texas fans, we all have to take into account a little bit and take with a grain of salt. Um, remember, it's been 15 months since any kid could legally visit any campus, you know, and get attention and meet with the coaches. Mm-hmm. These kids, some of these kids that are on the Texas campus in a normal year wouldn't even be visiting Texas. Okay, so not all of them are, are, are here to take Texas super seriously. Um, kids are going to go out and, and, and visit and see as many places as they as they possibly can because they saw the 2021 class. That experience was something that maybe in a lot of ways a little bit was taken for granted. So they're going to make sure they get out and spread their wings and get it all in because you only get to do it once. Well, at least you, you used to only get to do it once. Now, you know, you get the transfer you want to. But um, no, take into account that a lot of these kids, again, this is the first time in forever. Not all of them are looking to commit, you know, so. We'll see how it goes, man. But Texas has, no, it's a big-time big time group of kids coming in, man. They've got a chance to make a, a nice early impression on the ones that are really looking to, um, you know, to start piecing things together on what they want to do in the future. Mm-hmm. The biggest name, you know, I guess out of all the guys, if I had to pick one, the biggest name that's been on campus so far would be Jaden Wayne that came with that SFP, the Ford Sports Performance Group up in uh, Washington, man. Those guys, uh, Richard Sherman, Richard Sherman, Buda Baker, you know, some of the alumni out of that, out of that organization, that program. Um, Jaden Wayne is a consensus um, top 10 prospect in the country. He has a relationship. Of course, he's familiar with, with Pete Kwiatkowski. He's familiar with, with with the name Steve Sarkeesian. So for him to get down as early as he has, um, as early as he could to come visit Texas, um, I think that's a, that's a sign that, you know, if Texas takes care of the business on the field, they could be a major player for this guy. So we'll see. I can't remember the last guy that, you know, the Longhorns got from the state of Washington. Also, you know, can't remember the last time Texas had – you know, folks on staff with, with with ties to the state of Washington. So we'll see, man. We'll see. But, um, you know, that's the biggest name so far. But there's been a lot of big names that have been there that are coming in and that are going to be on campus. So Ruben Owens came on campus after his LSU trip. He's kind of making that trip all across the nation that we were expecting from him. Again, Nito Umiozulu coming in. That's a tough kid to read. And to get him on campus on his own dime to visit the school – you know, it might not be an official visit yet, question mark, but it's good to have a guy, you know, from Allen, nonetheless, come onto campus at Texas and, uh, you know, meet Kyle Flood and, and meet the, you know, meet Steve Sarkeesian and meet all the coaching staff. Yeah, Texas hasn't had an Allen kid sign with them since Dan Buckner, I believe, back in 2009. To be fair now, Allen is under different leadership than they have been in the past, you know, decade plus. Um, NATO was undoubtedly one of the top handful of, of offensive line prospects that we saw at that Under Armour camp. For him to be making his way to campus so early, man, like you said, he's a quiet kid. I have his number. I've gotten him to text me back one time, maybe out of four or five tries. Um, but, no, he plays things close to be- close to vest, man. But um, Kyle Flood. You know he, he's getting the names in here. He's he's, he's gonna um, he's gonna try. You know he's putting Texas in position, and, and these aren't names that we think will be um, will probably be on campus right now. If they still have the same offensive line coaches they had previously. So no, he he's doing the work behind the scenes, man. We'll see if they can pull one out soon. You know, get some momentum going on these offensive line recruits. Well, speaking of a guy who's came in on an unofficial visit, and they're gonna get back for an official visit this weekend, Cole Hudson coming on campus for an unofficial visit, and he's going to be here this next weekend for an official visit, or at least is scheduled to. Yeah, Cole was in town um, last weekend for to take in uh, the college regional. No, his dad is actually a former Arizona State baseball player, so Arizona State happened to be in the Texas regional. So just so happened to all the stars aligned that they, they made the trip down. Um, he watched his team you know, get the butt kicked a little bit, You know, watched Texas defend the home turf. And I also got to meet with the coaches. So they already have the visit scheduled for this week, and it's still on. So that can't be anything but positive for Texas to get two visits in before he goes anywhere else this summer. So I don't, I don't see any way it can be spun any other, you know, in a negative manner. Right. So let's get into the official visits here. Because Texas had, was it, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, seven guys coming in for an official visit this past weekend. And let's start off with 
probably the biggest name that came in uh, in Nuefe, Nuefe. God damn, what can I never do? J- junior. Junior Tui Halamaka. J- Nuefe Junior Tui Halamaka. Right? Did I get that? Uh, it comes from Mission Hills, California, Bishop Alamany. Uh, he is probably one of Texas's biggest targets at linebacker in this class. Uh, if you don't count Harold Perkins, you shouldn't. No. But Texas right now is in contention with him between themselves and Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. It's a two-way battle. And right now, Notre Dame probably is the leader. But coming out of this weekend, Darius, how would you feel about uh, Tui Halamake and, and how Texas did there? Right now, he's being recruited by Jeff Choate, who you just said you've heard good things about. Mm-hmm. Pete and Steve Sarkeesian himself. I think it's believed by most that um, Notre Dame is the is the favorite for Tui Halamaka. It has been for a while. Um, Texas has done a great job of, of putting themselves in position to really be a contender. They've even fought to to be near the top, man. But, you know, I, I have a hard time seeing them not sign with the Irish. One thing he did say after, you know, on his post about the official visit, he said he would definitely be back. So we'll see if that ends up, um, if that ends up holding true. But he's got an official coming up to Notre Dame and, I wouldn't be surprised to see him make a decision um, in the coming weeks. But, um, no, he's definitely one of the bigger targets. He's probably the the best run stuffing uh, inside linebacker in this class. So, I mean, he will, be a, he will be a heck of a get, no question. Yeah, I mean, they definitely seem to not be happy with what they have in the linebacker room right now. Right. But – it seems like they're pretty much they're they're really going after Tui Halamaka and also Sebastian Cheeks. They're also fighting Notre Dame for Sebastian Cheeks, but you know if they can split that matchup right there, if you know, Notre Dame takes one and Texas takes the other, <laughs> that's great. What? Nothing. Darius, why is your mind always in the gutter? But if I they know. split those two, <laughs> if they split those two guys, I'm just gonna go ahead and pass that off. Just go go jump over that. Uh, Nothing. The, you know if they split the the, the difference there. Uh, I think both Texas and Notre Dame are happy. But, yes, I, I think Texas really helped themselves with Tui Halamaka. We'll have to wait because this next weekend he is going to Notre Dame. That's when we're really going to know because, again, Notre Dame was the leader. Texas kind of pulled half and half in this weekend. Notre Dame has a chance to wow him on their own campus. Too bad it's not the winter. <laughs> you know, have to wait a week to see how good that trip was for Tui Halamaka. The next guy they brought in – was the defensive end, the edge kind of guy. He's like a jack, right? He's super long, super strong. Derek Brown uh, out of Texas High, Texarkana. Uh, it was really an East Texas weekend, really. This was this was the East Texas official visit weekend. You had Derek Brown, Jeremy Patton, DeAnthony Gatson, and I guess you could put Gervonta Citizen in there, even though he's from western Louisiana. Yeah, that's pretty much East Texas. So talking about Derek, uh, Derek Brown here, six foot four, two hundred and fifteen pound four star out of East Texas. You know, you watch his film and you can immediately see that dude is he has skill. He's a little raw, but man, he he's built to play the jack of defensive end. Texas right now is fighting AM, Oklahoma, and, and even Baylor for him right now. They got Blake Gideon on this, they got Jeff Choate, they got Pete Kwiatkowski, and even have again Steve Sarkeesian leading the charge for Derrick Brown. This is a guy they really covet. Yeah, Derrick Brown has a lot of similarities to to his teammate last year that signed with Oklahoma, Clayton Smith. Um, he's a he's a tall, long, rangy guy with a, with a frame to add weight. He's athletic. He can bend. Every year we usually see a couple of um, pass rushers pop up, and you know they, they start off not that highly rated, and then they end up being really highly coveted um, by programs in the region. I do believe, we have reasons to believe, that Oklahoma might have backed off a little bit um, after the visit, Derek was initially scheduled to go visit a And M. He said he's not going to visit a And M now too. So I don't, I just, I don't see any way that you know the signs, all the arrows and signs are now pointing to Texas being in a really good spot here. So we'll see what happens. But um, he would be a really nice pickup. It's and that's that's good for Texas. I mean, you saw how long his arms are in those pictures with the Longhorn sure. logo. When he stretched right. out his arms, he basically you know touched each side of the Longhorn, the horns on the fifty yard line. That's that dude's long. He he definitely fits in that jack position for the Longhorns. Next guy you have another guy, very long linebacker out of East Side, out of East Texas, Jeremy Patton, and this is one that really Texas kind of pushed ahead in. I, I guess you know when it comes to the competition, that was Michigan and Baylor, 
but still, you know, it's nice to have a guy come on campus and then really blow him out of the water. You saw that from Jeff Choate again, had a good weekend, and Pete Kwiatkowski with a guy like Jeremy Patton. What is Jeremy Patton's game like, and what do you think about him as a Longhorn? Jeremy Patton's a kid I got to see in person at the Under Armour. Um, I was really, really impressed with him, really well put together kid, about 6'1", 215 pounds right now. Um, ignore the ranking on the website, three-star, That's all that stuff is crap. Um, this is a big-time kid, a big-time player. I, I've got a pretty solid relationship with him that I first, you know, started up at the at the camp. Um, I was able to talk to him on the phone on Monday, and he pretty much told me the Texas visit was a 10 out of 10. He didn't think it could be any better. Now, I understand this is a small-town kid, man. He hadn't seen a whole lot, but um, he was really blown away by Austin. Um, his next visit coming up is Michigan. That'll be the first time. I said That's the first time in his life he will have flown on a plane. So um, I think the odds of him, you know, committing to Michigan and making his family get on a plane when none of them have flown before, you know, six times per per year, I think that's highly unlikely. So I think the real competition here is Baylor. And I think the mm-hmm. only thing about Baylor that we should possibly be, you know, worried about if you're a Texas fan is that, you know, maybe Waco might possibly um, be a little bit more his speed, you know, being more of a, you know, um, not as um, – active of a town as Austin is, but, you know, we'll see. But Patton, they're in a great spot for Patton, man, and Patton will be a heck of a pickup. Right. DeAnthony Gadsden is a Newton, another small town out in East Texas. 5'11", 210 pounds, and I, I think all, you know, maybe 100 of those pounds are in his arms. That dude's that dude's freaking biceps are the bigger than my thighs. It's ridiculous. Girls girls. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, I, I think if they do get two guys – in this class running back, Gatson might be one of them if it's not DeVorce Jones or maybe it's DeVorce Jones and Gatson or Jaden Blue and Gatson or or something along those lines. But Texas's competition here is USC and in Colorado. The guy is right now Pac-12 bound, but you came to Texas. You know, Stan Drayton knows how to recruit. We've seen him do it before. And also he had Bo Davis on him as well. Darius, have you seen Gatson play? What do you think of Gatson and his game? And, and, you know, how do you think Texas did this weekend? Yeah, man. I mean, I haven't seen him in person anywhere, but going by his highlights, man, he's like a really nice prospect. Um, I'm not buying the 5'11. I think he's more around 5'9. He's a compact, you know, 200 pounds, man. Rock solid dude, hard to get down, low center of gravity. Um, He doesn't have that home run speed that you look for, but he's a guy that's shifty, man. He's just a natural running back. Um, I don't, Newton's not a big town either. So, you know, talking about Jeremy Patton earlier in Turner High. Newton's not big at all, but they they seem to put out now over the last three, four years, two to three uh, power five prospects, man. So something's in the water down there. But, no, I would I would love Gatson as a second back in the class. Um, I would, be honest, though, being honest, I, I do like some others in the class a little bit better. But um, he's, he's nothing to, you know, he's nothing to turn your nose up at. But um, you wonder, yeah, you know, with them still bringing all of these backs in, you know, you wonder, you know, I I feel like that's a sign about the current commitment class, y'all. You know, you know, read the tea leaves here. Their, their Texas just brought in Keenan Robinson, you know, and still has four or five backs coming in on visits in the summer. So don't let that fly over your head. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that does make sense, right? You know, why, if you have Jaden Blue in the class, are you still going after guys like Trevante Citizen? who came in this weekend from Louisiana. Lake Charles College Prep, the six foot, 217-pound guy right now. It's between Texas A&M, USC, and Arkansas. Again, Stan Drayton and Steve Sarkeesian himself are the guys who are recruiting this, who are on the job for him this weekend. You know, I don't I still I don't think he's gonna end up at Texas, right? It just doesn't seem like that's that's the the way this is trending. No, I think Javante Citizen personally, he's he might be my favorite back in the entire class, man. Um, thing is, though, he is from Louisiana. Um, Texas A&M is in on him. Um, it's going to be hard to win a recruitment out of out of the SEC's backyard. Um, Citizen is, I think, he's a total package man. But um, and it's, it's great that he's been on Texas campus. He said all the right things. But you know, you got to remember too. Um, LSU wasn't mentioned there as a favorite yet because they haven't offered. But you know, it's whenever they can, they can come in on a, on a Louisiana kid whenever they want. You know, no matter how good they are. You know, unless his name's Devontae Smith, right? No, um, I love Citizen. I, I would do I do a hundred pushups on this on this live right now, man. If he committed to Texas, but um, I just don't think it's gonna happen, man. Same thing with this next guy, the defensive tackle Bishop Thomas out of uh, Bishop Moore in Orlando, Florida. 
293 pounds. He's a, a high three star, but really this guy should be like a mid four star or at least a low four star. This guy, when I watched him play, he's come off the line mm-hmm. is tremendous. He has great athleticism for his size. I mean, Dan, this guy is actually really pretty good, but I don't know if they're going to pull him away from Florida State. That seems the likely landing spot for him, even if Bo Davis is on the trail there and he came to Texas on the first weekend. It's probably Florida State, but, man, if they could land Bishop Thomas, it would take the sting away of maybe not landing a guy like Jure Bledsoe or Bear Alexander. Obviously, he's not going to Texas. Or, you know, not having, like, a top-end player in the state come. Yeah, um, Bishop Thomas is definitely um, underrated um, by the sites. But um, just one thing, I know the kids, you know, taking visits and saying, you know, he's wide open and stuff like that. But you got to you gotta watch the actions, man, not the words with this one. Um, I think the dead period opened up at 11 p.m. Central. From everything I understand, he was walking um, into the, the football offices of Florida State at 11.01. So, um, you know, he can say whatever he wants, but I think that kid has locked in for the Seminoles. But, you know, it is a testament that Bo was able to get him on campus for a visit. He pretty he kind of weirdly flew under the radar. Radar. He wasn't the name we we heard about until he actually popped up on campus. And you know, obviously there were other players going around the different campuses this past weekend. Bryce Anderson was one of those, and he ended up at Texas A&M this past weekend. I feel like you know he did go back to Texas A&M on an unofficial visit a, a few days later, but. He's left College Station twice now mm-hmm. without any buzz around there being a silent commitment there. And if you're Texas or you're Alabama, that is a win after seeing what happened with guys like Bear Alexander, right? You know, you've seen it with Demond DeMoss. You've seen it with other players right. where they go to Texas A&M and all of a sudden, oh, wow, they're huge Texas A&M fans all of a sudden. Uh, they, they just have something in the water there, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah, Bama is next for Bryce Anderson. And they're probably, you know, the second favorite right there behind Texas. And Texas gets the last crack at them. So we'll see what happens there. But I did want to note that him coming away from College Station without any buzz, without any you know, crystal balls going all the way to A&M all of a sudden, was big for Texas. Yeah, no, Bryce Anderson, yeah, he's been spending a lot of time in College Station recently. Um, I think we do need to remember that, um, yeah, when when he first decommitted from LSU, a lot of the smoke and um, and rumors and expectations and crystal balls were going to Texas A&M. Um, that's for that's for a reason. And then you know suddenly they did end up flipping back towards Texas. So um, A&M's going to do everything in their power, man. They're trying to you know they they think they're um, going to compete for a national championship this year. Um, they got a lot of momentum coming off. Um, um, the good season that they had last year, and um, you know, they got a they got a lot of momentum behind them, and they're they're trying to bring in the best class possible. They're doing whatever they feel um, they need to do as necessary to make it happen. So, Texas is going to have to fight for this one, man. They got to weather the storm, but um, at the same time, I do think he's um he's a prospect that's worth it, man. And if they can win out on this one, man, I think he will be one that pays off in the end. But Texas has to turn around real fast and look at the next weekend of visitors. This weekend, Texas has. Five guys coming in, uh, four of them from out of state. Mm-hmm. And the guy who was in state, Cole Hudson, we already talked about him coming in. It's Texas, OU, and AM battle right there. The offensive tackle from, uh, from Frisco, Texas seems to be a favorite here after getting him two times in less than a week. Uh, so if they, they could cement their shot here this weekend with Cole Hudson. And... They're really trying to load up on offensive line in this class. Kyle Flood kind of came into this 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 program was like, I can work with this, but it's gonna be a lot. We need an injection of talent and depth in this program, and and that's what he's trying to do with this class. Yeah, there's no question about it. No question about it. This class, um, there ha- there has to be some hits, you know, right. in the offensive room. Um, they're in a good spot with a lot of heavy hitters, man. Names like I mentioned, like we like I just said earlier. Um, they wouldn't have been in on man. So, no, I'm with you 100%. So, we already talked about Cole Hudson. Next guy Texas has is an athlete, Anthony Jones. He's got an official visit. He's come in from uh, Liberty High School in Las Vegas. Yeah, Anthony Jones is a, is a, is a one of those prospects with a huge frame. He's a little bit different than Derrick Brown. Got got more meat on his bones. I think he's a different prospect. You project him 
Jones is an edge all the way. I think I mean Brown is an edge all the way. I think Jones has the ability to you know possibly do some do some do some four eye you know doing some you know doing different things along the line of scrimmage man. Um, you know he was already once committed to uh, Quitkowski up at Washington. Um, the fact that you know he was really excited about getting the offer and immediately um, announced that he was setting up a visit you know months ago. I think it says a lot. So Texas has a chance, another chance to um, make some noise up on the in the Pacific Northwest, man. And I think you know what, if they can get a couple of kids or get the right kid there to you know commit, I think it could really open up uh, a lot of doors for them up there because they're definitely looking at some offensive linemen and guys at other positions up there too, man. So we should keep an eye on this Washington thing. Yeah, I mean he's six five, supposedly six five, probably six four. 240. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a big guy. He's very long. He You can put him all over the field. Uh, but, yeah, Texas right now is probably going up against USC, Oregon, and Miami for this recruitment. And they already have a guy, like you said, in Pete Kwiatkowski and Jeff Choate, who he's, I guess, you know, Pete Kwiatkowski, who he is well aware of and has already committed to him. Texas seems to be in a good position. you know. And when it comes to this linebacker in class, we've already said – there's a lot of linebackers in this defense, right? This is a what three four defense or a two five defense at times. There's a lot of linebackers on the field. They need a lot of linebackers. They need a hit on linebackers because it is a big part of this defense. Getting a guy like Anthony Jones, he's uh, he's got a lot of talent. He's raw, but he's a good player, and it's why Pete Kwiatkowski is really going after him. Next guy. Uh, again, we're trying to load up in these positions where they're not super comfortable with the talent they have there. Offensive tackle Jacob Sexton out of Oklahoma. Oklahoma. They, you know, if OU wants him, he's probably going there, but OU really doesn't, is not putting out vibes like, hey, we want you to come here. Uh, he has an offer, but uh, is it committable even? So it's more Texas, Oklahoma State, and AM battle there. But when you watch his film, man, he's he's big. He seems to be able to get downfield pretty well. You're just trying to throw a wide net here as well if you're Texas. Yeah, man. Uh, Sexton is a is a highly rated kid. Um, he's a good looking kid, man. Definitely one of the better um, offensive tackle prospects in the region. Um, I think Oklahoma actually does um, have their eyes on some other guys right now. They got a couple of other guys that Texas is, is interested in that they got that they have on ice right now. So you know, Texas has an opportunity to make a move. I'm on some players. Um, another, no fun fact about Sexton. Even though he lives in Oklahoma, um, his dad did grow up a Texas fan. Um, Sexton grew up watching Texas games, man. So it's a little bit of a unique situation. So we'll see what goes down. But it's definitely never a bad thing to have him on campus. You know, hey, maybe maybe Texas can build themselves a lead here. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. But um, I, I feel good about Sexton, man. At some point, one of these old line commits got to pop, right? They have to. Right. It would be big if they got a commit from this next guy again. Linebackers, the thing you're going to see a theme of a lot of linebacks, a lot of offensive tackles and offensive linemen in this class. Sebastian Cheeks, the Evanston Township High School guy out of Illinois. Uh, he's in. He's kind of an outside linebacker at 6'1", 210 pounds. But boy, can he play! He is explosive off the line. Uh, he's pretty good in. Pass. He is really good going forward in the rush, in between the tackles, working through trash. Uh, it's a fight, though, for him. You know, you have UNC and Mac Brown and Notre Dame. Uh, you know, if Texas, you know, it's a Texas Mac Brown battle, which is funny, and also Michigan in the wings. What do you think about Sebastian Cheeks? It's probably not likely he's going to commit. It would be huge. But where does he fit? And would you rather have him or Tua Hall? Tui Halamaka. I'd rather have uh, Sebastian Cheeks personally, even though Tui Halamaka is a little bit higher rated. Um, I just think Cheeks is so versatile, man. He, he's more of that modern, you know, linebacker in today's game. I think he'd be a better fit in the Big Twelve. I'm not. I'm not gonna complain about Texas getting either guy. But no, Cheeks is a guy that you know he doesn't do a whole lot of talking. So I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, not just how the visit goes, but you know, see what he has to say because um, you know, it's been he's been a guy that Texas has been in contact with for a while, so. It's, it's great that they're getting them on campus. Let's see if they can take care of business. You know, Jeff Cho's been getting rave reviews. Yeah, it, it would be huge. I mean, I kind of we kind of talked about that. What was it? Way back a few months ago mm-hmm. about the potential that this class could have. Uh, again, you know, they're just they're going to cast a wide net. It's going to be a high level wide net though, uh, and it, they already shown to be a perhaps a better scouting. 
program than what they had under what we had under Tom Herman. At least I like the guys they're going after a lot better than what Tom Herman went after, including this next guy uh, in Robbie Snelling out of McQueen High School in Reno, Nevada. This is where a guy like Pete Kwiatkowski and Jeff Cho and their West Coast, Pacific Northwest sort of connections comes in. They're, they're able to go through it and find these guys at Washington where they would have to fight Oregon and, and UCLA and Arizona State, and they didn't have as good a shot there. But now that their name have they have the Texas name, they're able to go out and get some of these guys uh, who, again, they might not have had a, as good a shot with. Robbie Snelling, 6'3", 200 pounds. Again, Oregon versus or UCLA for him or Texas as he's taking an official visit. What do you think about him? No, oh, yeah. Hey, Robbie Snelling, I'm a big fan of Robbie Snelling, man. When his name first popped up, I said, let me go take a look at this kid's tape. And he's a missile out there, man. He – he needs contact at all at all times, man. But Snelling's also a big time baseball prospect. You know that that definitely should be playing in Texas' favor as well, man. So we'll see. Um, Oregon's gonna be stiff competition as is UCLA. But out of all the out of state guys that are coming in, um, maybe excluding Anthony Jones, who was already previously committed, I feel really good about Texas and their chances with Snelling, man, because he 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 just fits the profile where everything seems to line up with what he's looking for, or what he's about. Um, and Texas is a little bit – no, it's not too different from from Las Vegas as far as that um that temperature, man. So, you know, we'll see. But I feel good about Snelling. I'm excited to hear what he has to say. Um, He's a guy that I've spoken with before in the past, so I'll see if I can get a hold of him out of the visit this weekend. I mean, you talked about it. He's a two-sport athlete, and guess what's happening on Texas's campus this weekend, same weekend he's here, the Super Regional. Uh, Texas's baseball team is the number two team in the nation. If he's coming here to watch the Texas football team, he's obviously going to be here to watch the Texas baseball team. That's a huge selling point for Texas right now, you know, is, hey, look at our baseball team. If you want to be a dual sport athlete, if you think you can do it, why not play for two of the best teams in the nation? That's what you have coming up this weekend. Obviously, you're going to have unofficial visitors as well. We'll get your names when it becomes a lot more solid who's coming. We'll probably talk about them next week as well. But Darius, I kind of want to just take a quick look not this weekend, but the next weekend. This next weekend, not the weekend, but the weekend after this, that's the real big weekend. And what exactly are you going to be looking for in the weeks coming up before that? You know, you have guys like Jaden Blue, Calvin Banks, Malik Murphy, Travell Johnson, Terrence Brooks, DeForest Jones, Amarty Winfield, Chris Ross, Denver Harris, Shaz Peterson, Jare Bledsoe, and BJ Allen coming on campus next week. What are you looking for? In the weeks coming up. Oh, and C.J. Williams as well. I've missed that. Man, I hope all them coaches have their name tags ready. And I hope they, they, they study the names of all the mamas and uncles and aunties and cousins, man, and, and grandmas because um, it's about to all run together for them pretty much, man, especially with the camps in the middle of the week. I don't envy these folks at all, man, and what they about to, what they're going through this month. But you know what? That's what they get paid the big bucks for. But um, no, star studded list of names coming in, man. But whereas again in the past you would be thinking, oh my God, all these kids coming on campus, there's no way, you know, they don't end up with five, six, seven, eight commitments. These kids have been starved to get out on these campuses, man. They're gonna go and take as many visits as they can. All right, so take a deep breath. I feel like three weeks from now, or I won't, that'll be the 4th of July, won't it? Never mind. But in a few weeks from now, you know, when we're back on here talking about, you know, you know, it's Texas. Um, so we'd be alarmed. Texas didn't get as many commitments as they should have. You know, I think we need to temper expectations and truly understand the uniqueness of, you know, the time we're in right now. Kids had. A, I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and put like a little disclaimer Let's say A&M is raking on the trail and Texas isn't, or Oklahoma is, or other teams are and Texas is not, then maybe you should be worried, but we'll see. This is a this is a new year. This is a new for everybody, so we'll see what's happening. Right. But, yes, I agree with you. Exactly. But, yeah, no. Um, ooh, that's a lot. That's a lot going on, man. I feel I don't, I don't envy these coaches, man. Them folks ain't going to get no rest in the next few, no. few weeks. All right, let's get to this next topic here. Obviously, in the offseason, you're going to have some stories come by that bring up a lot of hype, but potentially don't happen or are not going to happen. But this is a big one. 
Everybody thought the college football playoffs, if there was going to be any expansion, it would be to an eight-team playoff, right? You would have the five conference winners of the Power Five, two Power Five at-larges, and then one G5 at-large. However, Pete Thamel of Yahoo Sports recently put out an article saying, nah-uh-uh, it's not eight teams that's most likely to happen, it's 12 teams. There is a proposal currently out there for a 12-team playoff being presented to the stakeholders of the college football playoffs. People like the university officials, the athletic directors, the media executives, and the other big names that are around college sports. Over the next three weeks is going to be a critical period where they will be talking amongst each other. They will be charting this out, putting forth models, and actually trying to discuss how this would play out. What do you do with the bowl games, right? What do you do with certain you know, TV contracts and extending the season, right? These are college players and, you know, they're not getting paid, but you're putting mileage on their bodies and, and these players are already leaving games, you know, coming, you know, opting out of games. How do you make this thing happen? Again, this isn't a definite thing yet and it's not even close, but the news is again, that it would be an expansion to 12 teams. And the basic idea is that it makes everybody happy. The, the, the big dogs right now like this big four-team playoff because it means that the Bamas, the Clemson, the Ohio States, the, the Oklahomas, they like it because they stay in power. They're always in it. Mm-hmm. And the more you're in it, the more your brand is, the better your recruiting is, the more money you make, uh, you know, kind of a, a, a vicious cycle or for, for teams who are in it to stay in power. Yeah, no, my, I mean, I, I got to be honest. My, the, the skeptic in me, my initial reaction when I see – First off, well, let me say what I say. My my my, my initial response is, "Oh, great! It's twelve teams going to be in. All right, so that means four SEC teams are going to get in every single year." But um, right. I think it's inevitable that the, the playoff is going to expand, or that is going to. I mean, just look at the NCAA tournament; it always happens. Um, as far as the extra games being played, I do wonder. Um, well, I can't say do you take away two non-conference games from each team, but from each conference, from each from everybody, because not everybody plays the same type of schedule, right? Um, right. Man, that's a good question because the way everything's been done, well, we have seen that it can be done differently, right? Because we saw games get played in the spring. The season can extend, you know, into further into January. Does the NFL want that though? Have we thought about the you know the ramifications, you know? TV-wise, money-wise, competition-wise with the professional leagues. It's a lot of stuff that goes into it that, that we don't really think about. Um, but right. I would um, I would be all for it personally. 12, yeah, 16 is too many. I think 12 is fair. You know, give, the, give the four right. champions. You give the four champions to buy, four conference champions to buy, or do you do the top four teams? I think you give the champions to buy, right? Because there's room for bias with the opinions of people. Well, there's five champions, teams. so it's probably the top or five champions, teams. I'm sorry. But... You know, yeah, I mean, you're right. There's a lot of complexity in this, right? The four, the top four teams are the big dogs. They want to keep it, they want to keep it in this four so that they continue to have the power, but also, and but they're really fighting an uphill battle with the rest of college football who either wants a seat at the table and also we want more money. You know, more games equals more money. Right. It's obvious. Sure. So how do these big dogs, these big teams that really they have a lot of power tip the scales in their favor well if there's an eight team playoff right then that means that there is a high chance a higher chance of them meeting a team that is that is really good and is well rested and upsetting them which is not good for their perception not good for their brand not good for the recruiting again not good for their program right if there's 12 teams, though, that means that those four top teams, the ones who would be the four do- top dogs that year, they're getting a bye. So that's supposedly a huge advantage for a big game. You know, the team's coming in beat up after a week. They don't get as much time to game plan. And again, like they're tired. They're more tired than your team. Your team's getting a longer rest, period. With this 12-team format, the idea here is that you make the Bamas of the world happy by giving them a foot up. And on the other side, you make the UCFs of the world happy by giving them a spot. And on top of all of it, you make the media companies, the NCAA, 
and the athletic directors all over the country happier because, you know, there's a larger chance that their conference is going to get in. There's more money through TV deals and there's just more money to go around. So it's just, it's not a matter again, as you said, not a matter of, of if it's a matter of when, Mm -hmm. and it's both basically these, these four teams trying to fight to keep their big dog status. Yeah, I guess I'm sure the bye week would be enticing, you know, but you know, we've seen at the NFL level, a lot of, there are times when that, you know, it actually benefits teams not to have that week off so that they can keep their rhythm going. So yeah, I think this thing is going to happen. Um, how soon? I'm not sure, but um, I'm, I'm all for it, man. And in a lot of ways, I think it's necessary for college football because right now, um, the college, the, the, the 14 playoff has really, really um, kind of skewed the um, skewed the talent so severely in college football right now. It's really, it really, in a lot of ways, takes away from what really made college football college football. So um, no, I'm all for it. Right. It, but Darius, my question to you is. Mm-hmm. As a fan of the sport, do you like the 12-team playoff better than the 18-team playoff? Because the 18-team playoff kind of made sense to me, right? It, it really did. You had the five the five champions, and then you had two at large, and then one G5 at large. This, you're having a lot more teams come in. You know, it's a top 10 plus two. Do you think that is too much? Is that too many games for these players? Is that, as a fan, you probably like that, but do you like the idea of, of maybe better matchups with the one eight, two seven, three six, four five. I do like the eight better, but remember money, money rules all, right? So mm-hmm. when you got twelve, you got that extra week of games, <laughs> extra weekend of games, presented with the option. It's not gonna be about what's best for the players, it's about what's best for business. And no, they're gonna always go with the twelve. But I personally, yeah, I do like the eight. I like the eight with the with the five conference champions and, and um two at larges with the one G five. I do like that. Right, I felt like that's that's a good spot to be in, especially for a tradition-run sport like college football. But, like you're right, business is booming. <laughs> Always. So, you know, I the more I read about it, you know, obviously when you hear about it first, you're like, what the hell? But the more you read into it, the more it makes sense with the complexities that are going on and sort of, again, it was not an if, it was a when. So that's what you're getting with this new CFP format, and it's it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Maybe Texas has a finally has a shot of of getting in. <laughs> yeah, just just limit it to one loss. No, we got a conference <laughs> championship game, huh? Mm-hmm. Still get in with two losses. Yeah, need the twelve, need the twelve format, and two losses still get them in. That's the one thing that was special about college football that playoffs kind of decreased. Right, is the fact that really your season was the playoff rather than the actual playoff, right? That's one thing about call it, you know, the NFL, you can lose six games and still get into the playoff. Mm-hmm. That's what I liked about college football is every weekend was so high intensity and every game mattered. Every single game mattered. You couldn't go to Oklahoma and be like, well, if we lose, you know, we can still get into the playoff, right? It's, if we lose, then our chances substantially decrease. And, or if another team loses, like you're rooting heavily every week, you know, you're keeping track every single week of, Oh, you know, if they lose whatnot, yeah. Right. On the other end of this, it might be good for college football in total, because while every week doesn't have as high of a a level of importance, Mm -hmm. It does mean that even if you lose, you're still engaged because it doesn't mean that you're out. Right. Right. So it means that you still have a chance and, you know, one loss doesn't ruin your season. The 2008 Texas team losing a last second shot to Texas Tech doesn't mean it's the end of the season. So it does have its its ups and downs, right? You don't get the playoff atmosphere every single game, but it keeps fans more engaged. No question, no. Everybody has a reason, you know, to still be keeping up. Um, everybody wins, good for everybody. But um, I wonder, man, do do the people in charge even really care about that again? Because you they see don't. the dollar signs. <laughs> they don't. So I'm not even gonna. Act I like mean, they do, same but... thing. No, I think we're seeing. We've seen a change in sports, though. Just look at the um, look at the NBA, for example. 
I love basketball, right? But I, I can't outside of the Mavericks and you know playoff game, it's hard to watch because one, you don't know who's gonna be playing during the regular season. Two, people make so when 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 guys decided that they would pl- start playing for less than their worth to join teams, the, the the game's dead. The game's dead because there's no more there's no more wanting to compete, okay, every night. There's no more with guys sitting out low management. What about the family? What about the family that, that saved up for months just to be able to come to that game and then you're not there anymore? It's all about me and my brand. And you see guys, you know, milking injuries just to get through the regular season so they can play in the playoffs because they don't want to play, you know, 70-something games. I'm just – we've seen a shift in sports, man. And I wonder if this happens – I mean, throughout history, things change and people predict doom. And I'm not going to predict doom, but, you know, it's different. Things are changing and um, I'm struggling to change with it a little bit. Oh, no. I mean, college football is never going to be the same, especially with the new NLI rules, right? I have no idea how that's going to change college football or if it's going to change college football at all. Having these players have more of a brand, right? Having Being able to have these teams present that as a thing. I don't know if it's going to change college football at all, but it's something that we don't know. It's, it's, it's up there, right? The branding and having deals and whatnot and do I sit out this game because it's better for my brand or whatever, right? right? You know, you're already seeing that again, like you, you've you seen it before in, in the bowl games. Players used to never sit out the bowl games, never, right? That's what you worked all year. That's what you worked for all year. You worked all year for your gifts, for your benefits. Right, but at the same time, when we go back to the 1950s, you know, or I guess the 1960s when – the NFL's all-star game actually meant something or the baseball's all-star game actually meant something, right. you know, to the players. Like they actually played hard and they actually meant it, right? right. Now it's just for show. You know, it, everything, you know, the sport changes. Whether or not it's for the better is subjective, but it, it's definitely, with the NLI changing here, we're definitely going to see a lot more of brand-focused and business driven decisions and as a coach you have to you know evaluate a young man's what what is really most important to him is it coming to texas so i can make as much money as i can or is it really about becoming the best you know football player and student athlete that i can you know and helping this program win championships what is really most important to you and yeah it's just another more more question marks to go on top of this thing man so no i don't envy those folks at all that are in a position to have to figure it out you know, it's a lot of pressure on this Texas program, man. I don't think folks are going to be satisfied with, with, with seven wins this season, eight wins this season. No. So we'll see. We'll see. But, y'all, thank you for hanging out with us for the past hour. This has been 4th and 5, your Longhorn Nation podcast. I have been your host, Will Bazer. You guys can find me on Twitter at W-I-L-L-B-A-I-Z-E-R. My man, DT, Coach DT, where can we find you? Y'all can find me on Twitter as well um, at Coach DT underscore TFB, man. I love to hear from you all. Um, go watch the hatchet. <laughs> <laughs> Roll tribe is how it's, it's, it's the tag. Roll man. tribe? Roll tribe. All right. And you guys can find our other shows on this network right here, the Hornscast channel. You, you know, if you're listening to it and you're not subscribed, go ahead and give us a subscri- subscription, rate and review. It really helps us out. And I feel like such a like an early 2010s YouTuber saying, rate and review, hit that bell. But yeah, thanks for listening. We, uh, we'll see you next time. Hook them. Hook them. <laughs>